0: Chapter 21 Military Justice Section 21A Military Law 21.1 Military Legal System The strength of the military depends on disciplined service members ready to fight and win our nation's wars. As stated in AFI 1 1 Air Force Standards, because military discipline enhances combat capability because the military environment and duties are unique and because military personnel serve throughout the world, a special system of laws and courts are required to maintain good order and military discipline. Discipline is essential to warfighting capability and justice is needed for a fair and impartial system essential to the morale of those of us serving our country. No other judicial system provides such an expansive coverage or definitive purpose. Much of the guidance regarding crimes, criminal procedures, and addressing criminal behaviors for the U.S. Armed Forces is outlined in Title 18, United States Code, Crimes and Criminal Procedures, Volumes 1 through 5. 21.2 Commander Responsibilities Effective leadership is the most desirable means of maintaining standards. Military law provides commanders the tools, including court martial and non-judicial punishment to deal with misconduct. Military commanders are responsible for maintaining law and order in the communities over which they have authority and for maintaining the discipline of the fighting force. Reports of crimes may come from law enforcement or criminal investigative agencies, as well as from supervisors or individual service members. Ordinarily, the immediate commander determines how to dispose of an offense. However, a superior commander may withhold that authority. The staff judge advocate is available to provide advice regarding issues of alleged misconduct. Commander discretion. One of the commander's greatest powers in the administration of military justice is the exercise of discretion to decide how misconduct committed by a member of his or her command will be resolved. Each commander in the chain of command has independent yet overlapping discretion to dispose of offenses within the limits of that officer's authority. A commander may dispose of a case by taking no action, initiating administrative action against the member, offering the member non-judicial punishment, or preferring court-martial charges. If a commander believes preferred charges should be disposed by court-martial, the charges are forwarded to the convening authority. The convening authority must personally make the decision to refer a case to trial. Charges may be referred to one of three types of court-martial, summary, special, or general. 21.3, Individual Responsibilities. The military justice system is a tool used to correct breaches of discipline. All airmen have a general responsibility to be familiar with the military justice system, correct marginal or substandard behavior or duty performance of their subordinates and support their commander in the application of the military justice system for maintaining good order and discipline. This requires becoming involved when breaches of discipline occur and reporting all such violations to the proper authorities. Individuals should be prepared to investigate incidents when ordered to do so. It is important for all airmen to be familiar with the right against self-incrimination know what resources are available regarding legal investigations, and seek advice before acting. Self-Reporting of Criminal Conviction. According to AFPD 36-29 Military Standards, all commissioned officers and enlisted members who are on active duty or in an active status in a reserve component will report in writing any conviction for a violation of United States criminal law to their first-line military supervisor or the appropriate designated official within 45 days of the date of conviction. 21.4, pillars of military justice. Four primary aspects of the military justice system as shown in figure 21.1 include the U.S. Constitution, the Uniform Code of Military Justice, UCMJ, the Manual for Courts Martial, MCM, and Precedents. These are not four separate pillars as much as they are foundational aspects of the military justice system. These pillars are discussed here for a better understanding of how they were established and how they affect our Air Force. The U.S. Constitution The U.S. Constitution, the first pillar in the military justice system, is the primary source of our military law. The framers of the U.S. Constitution gave Congress the authority to make rules for the military. Congress, the legislative branch, and the U.S. President, the executive branch, have used their combined authority to create the military justice system that is currently in place. This separation of power ensures a checks and balances function in overseeing our military justice system. Powers Granted to Congress The U.S. Constitution provides that Congress is empowered to declare war, raise and support armies, provide and maintain naval forces, make rules for the government and regulation of the land and naval forces, provide for calling forth the militia, National Guard, organize, arm, and discipline the militias, and govern such part of them as may be employed in the service of the United States. Congress is also responsible for all laws deemed necessary and proper for carrying into execution the foregoing powers and all other powers vested by the U.S. Constitution in the U.S. government. Authority Granted to the President The U.S. Constitution provides that the U.S. President serves as Commander-in-Chief of the U.S. Armed Forces and of the Militia of the States, National Guard, when called to federal service. By virtue of authority as Commander-in-Chief, the U.S. President has the power to issue executive orders to govern the U.S. Armed Forces as long as these orders do not conflict with basic constitutional or statutory provisions. Uniform Code of Military Justice. The UCMJ is the second pillar in the military justice system. In 1947, after unification of the armed services under the Department of Defense, Secretary James B. Forrestal, the first Secretary of Defense, desired a uniform legal code that would apply to all services. His efforts set the stage for a uniform system of discipline that Congress enacted in 1950 as the UCMJ. Signed into law by President Harry S. Truman, the UCMJ became effective in 1951 and provided substantial procedural guarantees of the open and fair process that continues today. The UCMJ is the military's criminal code a separate criminal justice system that does not look to the civilian courts to dispose of disciplinary problems. As a separate system, it allows the military to handle unique military crimes that civilian courts would be unable to handle. The UCMJ established Air Force, Army, Navy, and Coast Guard Boards of Review as the first level of appeal in the military justice system. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the U.S. Armed Forces is the second level of appeal composed of five civilian judges, another significant element of checks and balances of civilian control of the U.S. Armed Forces in the military justice system. In addition to specific articles that enforce good order and discipline in the military, the UCMJ includes rules and regulations used to administer military justice as well as procedures for court-martial and non-judicial punishment handlings. The unique military crimes addressed under the UCMJ include such offenses as desertion, absence without leave, disrespect towards superiors, failure to obey orders, dereliction of duty, wrongful disposition of military property, drunk while on duty, malingering, and conduct unbecoming an officer. The UCMJ also includes provisions regarding punishing misbehavior before the enemy, improper use of countersign, misbehavior of a sentinel, misconduct as a prisoner, aiding the enemy, spying, and espionage. Today's UCMJ reflects centuries of experience in criminal law and military justice and guarantees service members' rights and privileges similar to, and in many cases, greater than those granted to civilians. Manual for Courts Martial. The MCM, the third pillar in the military justice system, sets out rules for evidence, procedures, maximum punishments, and standardized forms intended to provide military law guidance to commanders and judge advocates. Furthermore, the MCM contains a wide range of materials regarding rules for courts martial, military rules of evidence, punitive articles, and non judicial punishment procedures. Appendix 1 of the MCM contains the U.S. Constitution, Appendix 2 of the MCM contains the UCMJ. Additionally, the MCM contains applicable forms and guidance for courts-martials, sentencing, and the maximum punishment chart regarding discharge, confinement, and forfeitures of pay and allowances. Precedence. Precedence, the fourth pillar in the military justice system, refers to prior cases of similar issues or acts that a legal system will recognize as authoritative in nature. Depending on the situation and the level of court, referring to precedents in the military justice system may provide a legal decision or standard that will serve as a justification to be considered whether binding or persuasive in subsequent similar cases. A binding precedent is one that must be applied or followed. A persuasive precedent is one that is not mandatory but may be relevant or useful in the determination of findings in a case. 21.5, legal rights. Members of the U.S. Armed Forces virtually retain the rights they held as civilians before entering the military, including protection against involuntary self-incrimination and the right to counsel. Complaints of wrongs under Article 138. Article 138, UCMJ, is a provision for protecting individuals' rights. Members of the U.S. Armed Forces who believe they have been wronged by their commanding officer and who, upon due application to that commanding officer is refused redress, may complain to any superior commissioned officer. That officer shall forward the complaint to the officer exercising general court-martial jurisdiction over the officer against whom the complaint is made. The officer exercising general court-martial jurisdiction shall examine issues regarding the complaint, take proper measures for redressing the wrong complained of, and, as soon as possible, send to the office concerned a true statement of that complaint with the proceedings. Note, there are circumstances and complaints that the Article 138 UCMJ complaint system will not provide redress for. Before submitting complaints under Article 138, be sure the issue is applicable and a formal complaint process is the appropriate approach to take for rectifying the situation. A member who believes himself or herself wronged by the action of his or her commander before submitting a complaint under Article 138 must submit an informal complaint to the commander who allegedly committed the wrong. A complaint, in writing to that commander or designated representative is sufficient. Absent unusual circumstances, the member must apply for redress within 90 calendar days of the discovery of the wrong complained of and the complaint should contain all available supporting evidence. AFI 51-904, complaints of wrongs under Article 138, Uniform Code of Military Justice, implements Article 138. Compulsory Self-Incrimination Prohibited The Fifth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution states that no person shall be compelled to be a witness against him or herself. Similarly, Article 31 UCMJ reflects this right and prohibits involuntary statements from being used against an accused. A statement is involuntary when obtained in violation of the Fifth Amendment, Article 31, or through the use of coercion, unlawful influence, or unlawful inducement. The UCMJ requires that, prior to interrogation or any requests for a statement from a person suspected of an offense, the person must first be told of the nature of the accusation, advised that he or she does not have to make any statement regarding the offense, and that any statement he or she makes may be used as evidence against him or her in a trial by court-martial. Prior to interrogation, the suspect is entitled to consult with counsel and to have such counsel present at the interrogation. If counsel is requested, questioning must cease until counsel is present. Once properly advised of his or her rights, a person may waive these rights and choose to make a statement. Assuming this waiver is made freely, knowingly, and intelligently, any subsequent statement can be used as evidence in a court-martial or other judicial or administrative proceedings. Right to counsel. The UCMJ provides an accused the right to be represented by a military defense counsel at general courts-martial or any Article 32 preliminary hearing. It also provides an accused with the right to be represented by a military defense counsel at any special court martial when the trial counsel, prosecutor, is a judge advocate or licensed attorney. This has the practical effect of guaranteeing an accused the right to a military defense counsel at virtually all special courts martial. Although the UCMJ does not grant and accuse the right to counsel at summary courts-martial or when facing non-judicial punishment under Article 15, the Air Force provides military defense counsel as a matter of policy. The Area Defense Counsel provides Air Force members independent legal representation. Airmen suspected of an offense or facing adverse administrative actions receive free, confidential legal advice from an experienced judge advocate outside the local chain of command, avoiding conflicts of interest or command influence. Although located at most major bases, Area Defense counsel work for a separate chain of command and report to senior defense attorneys. The Area Defense Council does not report to anyone at base level, including the wing commander and the base staff judge advocate. This separate chain of command ensures undivided loyalty to the client.